Hello, everybody. Well, it's so wonderful to be preaching. I'm sure you all know that I do love preaching. But let me tell you, this morning, everything went wrong. The printer wasn't working at home, so I couldn't print out my preach. So I was rushing. I left my Bible at home. So I do hope that Stan's Bible is the same as my Bible. I think it probably is. Um, What else went wrong? Oh, we got home late last night. The dog had puked in Natalie's bedroom on her bed. It had puked in the lounge. So this is just our normal everyday life. We have the same life as you. So yeah, that is, that's our life. So I am a bit flustered, but I know you all love me, so you're going to be gracious to me. Um, but yeah, I am happy to be preaching this morning. Um, but yeah, as we have been discovering some beautiful aspects on holiness through this series, um, we have really understood the incredible reverence of the word holy. Um, It has been unpacked beautifully over this last series. It has elevated God. It has put him back in the center where he is supposed to be. But it it has also made me realize as a believer that um, God has made, set us aside as believers, and it has made me realize that our lives every day, ordinary, quite normal lives, God also calls holy. And that is actually, I'm not sure if it's challenged you, but it's actually challenged me, it's intrigued me, um, and it's made me almost do a holiness audit on my everyday normal life. Um, So today I am speaking, will you start the clock for me, babe? Because, oh, did I mention I left my cell phone at home as well in the rush of everything. So as Paul says, it's probably going to be a great preach because everything went wrong. So Stan can do the timing. I do the timing for him usually. Anyway, so today I would like to speak about something that is very close to my heart. All of you know that I love hosting people. I love hosting people in my home. I love hosting people in our church. In fact, I pretty much made a career out of it. Paul Spooner will tell you that I studied it. And if you ask him what I studied, he'll tell you I studied party planning. I didn't exactly, but I guess, I suppose we sort of did. But um, my family will also tell you that I have a problem with tables. I cannot get rid of them, so we repurpose them. We move them around our house. We cut the legs off them. We make them into coffee tables. We move them into corners of the house. We put photographs on them. We move them into bedrooms and make them desks. We, um, I just love tables. They're probably the happiest place in my home, being around the table. And largely because we have shared countless meals together around the table with family and friends, they have become an icon of God's grace and goodness in my life. The people we loved most have sat with us there. The stories we have told I've been amazing around that table. We have confessed sins around our table. We have cried together. We have laughed together. We have remembered together. We have dreamed together. We have prayed together. We have experienced God's nearness, God's kindness, and God's love. I'm sure you can understand why I'm a little bit sentimental about my tables and why I hold on to them. And I'm sure you will agree with me that the art of eating together in this fast-paced world where we're constantly fighting against technology, table time has been robbed from our homes. And I'm comforted to know 
that when I read about Jesus' life, as he sees the value that he placed on eating together, having a meal together. I did a quick Google search on how many times the Bible speaks about food, and it was something like 1,207 times. Jesus valued and ministered hugely around the table. For him, it was a holy place. So today, I wanted to redeem some of our tables. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bible, in Stan's Bible, to Luke 14, verse 15. And I'm going to read to you the parable of the great banquet. When one of these, when one of those at the table was with him, they heard this. And Jesus said, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of, at the, time of, the, of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another one said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these men will, who was invited will get to taste in my banquet. So I think initially when we read that story, we are horrified. I mean, who would not want to attend such a magnificent banquet? And when you read the commentaries, they say, it's absolute nonsense. Those excuses those people gave were completely lame. Nobody would ever buy a field without having seen it first. It's like going to buy a house without having seen the house first. Nobody would ever have bought oxen without having tested them out first. It was a completely lame excuse. And anybody who's been married, I mean, all you want to do is show off your new bride. Who on earth wouldn't have wanted to go to a banquet with their new bride? That was a completely lame excuse. But then I stop and I ask myself the question, how many times has God asked me to do something and I've made an excuse? I've said, yes, tomorrow, Lord. Tomorrow I'll give that person a word. I've walked into church and I thought, oh, I should just go and pray for that person. Oh, no, I don't really feel like I said, I'll do it next week, Lord. Or maybe I should um, go and serve in that in church. Or maybe I should, maybe we should lead a home group. Um, no, I'll do it next time. Oh, I'm sure someone else will do it. And then all of a sudden, I feel a little bit more like those three invited guests than I would like to admit. Maybe it's just me. Mark Williams Wynn recently did a beautiful devotion and he explained how the Greek word for hospitality and hospital are the same. So that means that your table could be the place of healing, place of safety for anyone who has gathered around it. Your table is a place of connection and healing. 
I just spoke to two people today who are grieving. Who are lonely and who have lost somebody very dear to them over this past season. Your table could be the place of healing for them. So maybe Paul Spoon and I actually studied nursing and not party planning. <laughs> no disrespect to any of my fellow nurses. <laughs> Shepard, I wonder if you could put that other table picture up for me. This was a beautiful wedding that we attended. Don't you love that saying? When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher wall. This was a wedding feast table. As I said, it was a lavish celebration. But can I tell you about a lesson I learned in this community? Probably one of the things I learned very early long, and yes, it probably did stem from my party planning studies, I wanted everything to be perfect when I had people around. I wanted the table to be perfect. I wanted the decor to be perfect. I wanted the meal to be perfect. And let me tell you, ask my man, it caused a lot of stress for him and me. Until we were invited by a wealthy couple in this church to dinner. After church on a Sunday night, we arrived at their house with a lot of other people. There were children there. It was a little bit chaotic. We didn't have children at that stage. It was very early on in this, our journey in this church. There were um, not enough chairs for all of us. We sat on cushions on the floor. We ate soup and bread out of mismatched bowls. And can I tell you, it was one of the most priceless, beautiful evenings. And so began my journey of hospitality in this church. I don't know why I get emotional when I think about it. But when I was preparing, I thought about the tables that I have sat around in the nations. Some of us have traveled into Africa, into India, around the world. And we have sat on hut floors when there actually wasn't even a table. And we have shared a piece of bread and tea with families. And we've shared about the gospel. So I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter about the shape or the size or the length of your table. It doesn't matter if you even have a table. We sat on the side of an old lady's bed in her hut. And we shared a meal with her and it was priceless. Secondly, I want to challenge you to lengthen your tables. When was the last time you had someone in your home who wasn't part of your usual friend's circle? I heard the most encouraging story the other day. We have a couple who've joined this community. Um, they've maybe been here two months. And um, as they were walking out of the church, they saw a single mom with her daughter and they said to her, would you like to come home for lunch with us? And um, they hadn't pre-planned it. They hadn't phoned her two weeks ahead and booked a date. And they just asked her in the car park, would she like to come home for lunch? It completely blessed her out of her socks. 
it completely blessed this couple. And when I say they hadn't planned it, when was the last time you left for church in the morning? Hopefully you didn't have a chaotic morning like I did. <laughs> but you just decided, okay, why don't we just lay an extra table, extra seat at the table for lunch, and let's just ask God to show us somebody who we can take home with us after church. Why don't we just ask somebody we don't know to come home? That's what this church was built on. So just wanted to challenge you. I just... Also in Luke's Gospel, the Luke 13, verse 29 to 30, it says, In the last days, people will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and we will eat together in the kingdom of God. Not people who are just like us. Lots of different people. It is challenging to all of us. Then also when it comes to the length of our table, also want to challenge us, not just fellow believers. I'd like to say that our tables have the potential to be the most missional places in our lives. Perhaps before you invite people to church, you should invite them around your table. As I said, dining room Christianity, table fellowship was what this church was built on and it will continue to be shaped upon. Do you remember that Jesus had a bad reputation because he used to be eating and drinking with the notorious sinners? Jesus loved people who were far from God. When was the last time you had people around your table who didn't know God? Um, for any of you who were at the Equip this week, um, on Thursday and Friday, um, if you weren't here, I'd really encourage you, you can go onto our podcast channel and listen to the um, the preachers, they were amazing. Justine Wimble preached on Friday and she gave some very funny stories and anecdotes about how they're getting involved in their community in Durban North and she was talking quite a lot about the friendships that they're forming with their kids, um, parents at the school, lots of um, dining room Christianity with unbelievers. And then um, have you ever done this when you, I was looking actually for a picture on my phone um, and I'm fortunate my phone has got quite a lot of storage on it, so maybe not so fortunate. I mean, my gosh, how many photographs can you keep on your phone? And I was scrolling through to find this picture, and I was quite struck. I found um, a, a little photograph that I must have kept, a little saying, and um, I, it says this, it said, I thought about quitting, but then I noticed who was watching. Oh. I was quite struck by that. And then again this morning, um, so we do have the privilege of going into many different churches. And a lot of different churches, when you arrive at church, you check your children into the kids' ministry side of things as you arrive at church. So they don't worship with you. Um, and even at the Equip on Thursday night, we had a... a gentleman here who's from a Johannesburg church and our children dancing in the front and it's messy I mean shame there's poor Sadie and Bella getting their brother climbing up on the stage and but you know churches don't have this and um, Marcus turned to me our girls just automatically just normally like they always do every Sunday started dancing in the front of worship on Thursday night and it was amazing. And he turned to me and he was like, like he was like, 
I mean, wow, you know, and I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought, oh, what's happened? And, I, and then I realized he was talking about the girls, and I was like, yeah, this happens all the time. And I just thought, oh, wow. And then we even went to another church on Friday. Stan preached in Zululand Equip. And, and I realized, yeah, there are no children here in worship. And I realized, wow, that is something different that we do in this church. And the reason our kids do that is because I noticed, well, I thought about quitting, but then I noticed who was watching. And that's what it is. The kids are watching. So when you have people in your home and you have people around the table, we, some of us of the generation where the children were seen but not heard. So just put your kids away, like, no, 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 we came into this place and Nick and Anna Katsudis, very young children, were all there in our dinner tables, all of us. Our kids are part of it. It's noisy, it's loud. I mean, we all go to home groups. The young Thompsons, I think they've got more children than adults in their home group. It's, it's exhausting for them. The Williams as well. I mean, it's exhausting, but your children are watching. And I thought, actually, yeah, when I think about it, that's what you do. When, our, when we stopped having a home group in our house, our kids are devastated. First of all, they say, what are we going to eat on a Tuesday? Like, I don't feed them. I mean, because we eat together. And actually, so our children learn about God. They learn about community. They learn about stories that get passed from generation to generation around the table. And then the last part of that says, um, we need to build a longer table, not a higher wall. We live in a country and a city, I suppose especially after our looting week, where we were potentially, we all live with low-grade fear. So the thought of building higher walls is a reality. Tactic of the enemy is isolation. We've seen over the COVID pandemic, the enemy has tried to keep us apart from each other. My encouragement to you today is as we've moved back into lower levels, we're so grateful, grateful we can unlock, get back to being together. But make sure we unlock our minds. Make sure we unlock our homes. I want to challenge you today. Phone somebody, invite somebody back home to your house. Invite somebody. People are lonely, as I said. Remember, your table could be the hospital that they need. And remember, we don't want to get stuck into a rut. Um, when I was recording, um, when Patrick and Shannon were here doing the recording for the announcements, I also recorded for the online people. Shame. Oh, they get the first version of your preach. Poor guys. That's why I must come to church on Sunday. Um, but a rut is a habit or a pattern of behavior that's become dull or unproductive. And then Patrick came up with this beautiful thing, and I thought, oh, I'm going to use this. He said, you know what a rut stands for? Reluctant, unavailable, and tired. Oh, that hit home. I thought, wow, have we got so stuck in our ruts during COVID. We've become reluctant, unavailable, and tired. Has COVID got us into such dreadful ruts that we're not having people around our tables? So I wanted to encourage us, do not give way to fear. Because remember in Psalm 23, when we were walking through the valley of a shadow of death, our Father prepared a table 
in the midst of the enemy for us. And there are people who are walking through a lot of fears over this time. Your table might be the table that you need to prepare for them in the midst of what they're walking through. And I also felt today that there's some people who feel unworthy to sit at the table with Christ. Do you remember the beautiful story in Matthew 15 where the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and she says, please can I just have the crumbs from your table? She's asking him to heal her daughter. And she says, can you just give me the crumbs from your table? And um, I feel like there's some people who maybe don't feel worthy to sit at his table. But I'm here to remind you today that he says all of us are worthy to come and sit at his table. You don't need to just get the crumbs. And next week, as we said, we are having a family feast Sunday. We are all going to feast at the table with the king. So I just wanted to let you know what my week was like. And I thought maybe you can look over your week. So in between the everyday normal things that happen around the table... Um, just your normal everyday eating with your family. Um, This is how my week started this last week. It started with a birthday breakfast with a very special friend. And yes, we had sushi for breakfast, guys. That's what we do. It started with, um, it then went on to celebrating coming of age of a beautiful 21st birthday. I had a meal with a group of lifetime friends who now live in different places across the country. We shared a meal um, with our our neighbors, a memorial meal, as they said farewell to their mother. We actually had a feast with our family as we remembered Stan's mom last night. We had a home group braai with a whole lot of young adults in our home this week. We actually had um, a meal with some friends who were holding up each other's hands in a time of crisis this week. We saw a group of churches coming together to celebrate a partnership in the gospel. We celebrated a new family's home this week um, that we don't know, a brand new family that we met. We We stayed in their home and we had breakfast with their family. And all the occasions were around different tables. All the occasions were around food. All the tables looked different. Some of them were lavishly laid. Some of them were just a coffee and rusk. So as I end off today with this short clip that I'd like you to watch, I hope the holiness of the table has been restored to each and every one of you. No one is excluded, whether you are single, married, male, female, young, old, rich or poor. We are all rich with the love of Jesus, and he should be the main guest at our table. If he is our focus and our guest, who would not want to be present at our table? So let's put down our devices, let's lower our walls and lengthen our tables. After we've watched this clip, I'd love us to break bread and share the beautiful table that we get to share with Christ um, can I ask you, just one member of the family, go and um, get the sacraments. Remember, it's one little bag with um, a biscuit to share between your family. But can I ask you, maybe invite somebody who you don't know to come and break bread with your family after we've watched this clip, okay? Okay.